Well, good morning, First Baptist Church, Hacienda Heights. My name is Mark Rogers. I'm one of the pastors at Fellowship Church in Beaumont. And so let me just offer greetings from the brothers and sisters here at uh, Fellowship Church. We love your church. Uh, we love Pastor Jeremy. And uh, we're grateful for the way that God's been at work there uh, over the last many years. And we pray for you regularly. Uh, what I'm going to do this morning is in a moment, we're going to look at Psalm 46. And I'm going to read that in just a moment. Before I do, let me just say one of the things I love the most about the Bible is that it's realistic. It presents the world in a way that's true to life, true to reality. Um, the Bible doesn't describe some kind of separate spiritual reality that's disconnected from our everyday experience. In fact, it's just the opposite. In the Bible, God is revealing to us, to us the truth about who he is and the truth about the world that he's made so that we will know how to act and think and feel no matter what we're walking through in our daily life. And one of the main truths that the book of Psalms, at least, shows us about God is this. It's that God is our refuge. God is our refuge. That's a concept that God wants us to have in our minds and in our hearts. And, and so if you read through the book of Psalms, it comes up over and over and over again, God being our refuge or God being our rock or God being our fortress. Um, and so it's this concept of God being our security, a source of strength and protection. So, but why does God emphasize this so much? Why does the book of Psalms uh, emphasize this so much? And, it's because I think a couple of things. One is the truth about life, right? Life is filled with hard things. Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble. So that's a promise from Jesus. It's probably not your favorite promise from Jesus, but it is a promise from Jesus that you can believe. In this world, you will have trouble. Um, and so, and that's true. In recent months at our church, I've sat next to... I sat with a husband as we sat next to his wife who was dying. I've talked with people who um, are dealing with the pro progression of Alzheimer's in themselves and in their spouse. I've talked with those with diagnoses of, 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 late, of um, like stage four cancer, uh, people who have just had severe car accidents and endangered pregnancies and people that are experiencing estrangement in their families. And, and so I don't, I have no idea what you are walking through. I know that as a nation, we're walking through kind of trouble upon trouble. And so I'm sure that some of that is affecting you, but you also probably have your own personal troubles. And so we need this truth that God is our refuge because the truth about life, but we also need it because the truth about us, we want relief. We want security. God knows that we are refuge seeking creatures. We all are, all of us. As trouble comes our way, we long for security. And we have so many refuges that we turn to. Now, in the last few months, some of those have been taken away, like sports, uh, travel, gathering in person with our church, uh, maybe your job, maybe money, things that we would often turn to to kind of give us the security gone. God wants us to know all the time, but especially right now, that he is our refuge. And that we can turn to him. So this psalm, Psalm 46, which we're about to read together, uh, is here in our Bibles in order to call us to take 
refuge in God because he alone is a permanent and unshakable refuge for his people. Okay, so let's let's read Psalm 46 together. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling, there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. The nations rage, the kingdoms totter. He utters his voice, the earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come, behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolations on the earth. He makes wars cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Uh, let's, let's pray. Father, as I sit here in my study, um, I sense just a desperate need for you and your help in order to help those who are going to be watching this. So I pray you give it. Please help me. I, I also know that there are many who will be watching this and that they desperately need your help as well. So help them with whatever's going on, but also right now just help them to receive your word from you and help them to respond. In Jesus' name, amen. So this poem I just read has three stanzas. And what we're going to do is we're just going to look at each stanza. And we're going to see three things. In the first stanza, we'll see a resolve. In the second stanza, we'll see a reality. And in the third stanza, we'll see a response. So the first stanza, a resolve. A resolve. Now, the psalmist, he starts with, with truth about God. God is our refuge and strength. Right? So he starts with God. God is our refuge and strength, but he's honest about trouble. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Okay? So this refuge providing, strength giving God doesn't eliminate all trouble. That's not what refuge looks like. That's not what strength looks like. It's not the elimination of all trouble. Instead, he is a very present help in the midst of trouble. Literally, this, this, this means he is a help who allows himself to be exceedingly findable in times of trouble. Exceedingly findable. That's who God says he is. So, so God, our refuge, is not hiding away from us. He's not making it hard for us to get them. He's accessible even and especially in hard times. So he starts with truth about God, but then verse two, we see the resolve. Therefore, because of this truth about God, therefore, we will not fear. And this is to be our resolve. All right, we are living in unstable times. You know that. But this author is describing something much worse. Look at verse two. Though, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, 
though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters, the sea, roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. So the earth is giving way. The mountains are crumbling and falling into the sea. This is the big one. All right. Times 100. He's imagining the strongest, most stable things you can imagine. Mountains crumbling down. The ground beneath us. Very stable, right? Constant. You don't even think about it. The ground beneath us giving way and swallowing up the cities that we thought were stable. So what this psalm is describing, there is no defense against. It's a massive earthquake followed by a tsunami. The waters roaring and foaming there in verse 2. And this psalm, if you think about it, could have a destabilizing effect. I mean, the Bible, you come to the Bible, you're like, oh, I'm going to read the Bible. On the, you come and you watch the sermon, and the Bible is bringing to mind the worst case scenario. It's saying, it's like, it's like, hey, what if those mountains up there just crumble? What if the ground you're on right now just, you know, moves away and you fall into the middle of the earth? It's, it's like bringing up, like, what if you lose your job? What if there's a second wave of the coronavirus? What if it mutates and gets worse? What if, what if your marriage never changes? I'm sure you can fill in the blank. These kinds of what if scenarios can be paralyzing, right? But the answer to the what ifs that our minds sometimes play is not the power of positive thinking. It's not telling ourselves that no trouble will ever come. Nothing bad will ever happen. I'm just going to put that out of mind. Instead, this psalm calls us to replace what if with even if. You see that in verse 2? Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way. So though you could, could be translated even if. We won't fear even if the earth gives way. Even if the mountains are moving into the heart of the sea. So even if the worst things happen, we will not fear. That's the resolve. Why? Well, verse 1. God is our refuge and strength. Therefore, verse 2. Therefore, we will not fear. So this kind of reaction, a fearless reaction, is not automatic. It's not, it's not just a natural response to all the factors involved. There are two competing realities in our lives. There is trouble that's painful, that's scary sometimes, and there's God, our refuge. And so that's why I'm using the word resolve. It's a firm determination to do something. Because God is my refuge, this can be my resolve. Because God is a refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble, therefore, this can be a resolve. You can resolve, I'm not going to fear even though I feel tempted to fear. All right, so that's the first stanza. That's the resolve. Second stanza, what we here we see a reality, a reality that explains what a great refuge God is. To get at this, I want you to see the contrast between verse 3 and verse 4. In verse 3, you see the waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. So there's falling mountains, raging oceans. And then in verse 4, there's a river. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God. So there's this nice, calm, happy, peaceful river in a joyful city. So what, what is with the river? Well, in the ancient world, um, a city with high walls 
and a fortified position could be defeated if an enemy with greater forces simply surrounded the city and cut off its food and water supply. All right, so the most secure cities were those with a river flowing right through the middle. They had the walls, but then the river comes through the city, so they have a source of water, and they have a source of food, and so they can sustain themselves no matter who surrounds them, okay? So throughout the Bible, a river represents a source of life and security and peace and joy. In Genesis 2, you see in, in the Garden of Eden, a river flowing out to water the garden. And at the end of the Bible, in Revelation 22, in the New Jerusalem, there is a river of the water of life. It's bright as crystal flowing through the middle of the city with the tree of life on its shores. So the picture in Psalm 46 is that the world is crumbling. The world is falling apart. But the people of God in the city of God are experiencing life and peace and security. Why? Well, it's all about the presence of God in that city. Look at verse 5. God is in the midst of her. So God is in the midst of this city. So it's not because of the city's walls. It's not because of the city's armies. It's not because of any physical river, but it's because God is there. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. Augustine about this psalm wrote, when the mountains shake, when the sea rages, God does not desert his city. When the mountains shake, when your life crumbles, God does not desert his church. God does not desert his people. But God is not just present, God is also powerful. So look at verse 6. Their nations rage, the kingdoms totter. He utters his voice and the earth melts. So there's a national crisis. The nations are raging and kingdoms are tottering. Kingdoms, these great kingdoms that you, you thought were, were the force in the world, they're tottering. They're about to fall. And, and we've seen some of this in recent months. I mean, China, these great superpowers, China and the United States of America, their economies are almost completely shut down. Travel between nations shut down. Um, and America right now is just pulling apart at the seams. So and we, we, we go from this peak of economic security, and it seems like everything is well, and, and we see so quickly how things can, can fall apart. So these nations and these kingdoms, they can't even hold themselves up, but God, all he has to do is speak, and the earth will melt. So what this is saying is that God is constant. In verse 2, the mountains are moved. The kingdoms, they totter. These things that are stable in the ancient world, in our world, they're not that stable. But God's city shall not be moved. Verse 5. And so... Verse 7, there is this great news. And the news is that that God is with us. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. So the God who commands countless angels and who has all power 
to accomplish anything. He is with us. He is our fortress. That city is our city if you are in Christ. That experience can be our experience. And you may be thinking, well, how can a holy God, a perfectly righteous God, give refuge to sinners like us? We've seen all across our TVs and in the media, just depictions of our human sinfulness in recent days. And you may be, by God's grace, being convicted of your own sinfulness. And you may be asking, how could I run to God? He wouldn't protect me. I don't deserve protection. I deserve judgment. Well, that's, look at this in verse 7. It says, the God of Jacob is our fortress. The God of Jacob is our fortress. So, so think about who Jacob was in the Old Testament. Jacob was a deceiver. He lied to his dad in order to steal from his brother. Our God is a fortress for people like Jacob. The God of Jacob is our fortress. This God is also the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He absorbed the wrath of God against sinners so that sinners like me and sinners like you could take refuge from our sin in him. If you turn to him, you can experience God as your refuge from the judgment you deserve. And, and when God is our refuge, this can be the reality of our lives. So we've seen a resolve and we've seen the reality. Now third stanza, God calls for a response. In verse 8, the psalmist says, come, come, behold the works of the Lord. Come, I want you to come and look at something. I want you to come and see something. And, and when you get there in verse 8, it's a surprise. Come, behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolations on the earth. He said, look at all this mess. Look at all this desolation that God has brought. What this tells us is that God is not passively watching as things fall apart. He, he doesn't kind of have to come back and take control. No, God never takes his hands off the wheel. Remember when Jesus was standing before Pilate and Pilate and, and Jesus was silent and Pilate said to him, do you not know that I have authority to release you or to crucify you? And Jesus, you know what he's, remember what he said to Pilate? You would have no authority over me at all unless it had been given you from above. You would have no authority to kill Jesus, Pilate, unless God gave you that authority. The son of God being killed. It's the greatest disaster, the greatest sin, the greatest evil, the greatest injustice in human history. It's, must, it's a much worse event than the mountains falling into the sea. It's a much worse event than a virus spreading throughout the nation or the world. It's a much worse event than the injustice and sin that occurs in our homes and in our cities and in our nation. And in that event, as Jesus was crucified, God, Jesus says, was in complete control. God is not secluded off in some heavenly city while we suffer. No, God is in control of nature. He is in complete control of the nations. He is in complete control of the circumstances of 
our life. And in verse 9, we're told he makes wars cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. All these instruments of war, he says, he's going to break and burn. This is where it's all headed. God will bring an end to all opposition to him and his rule, to all division and all war. And now the response in verse 10. Be still and know that I am God. And this is a famous verse. This is one of the most famous verses in the Bible. And usually... When you see this verse, it's kind of like on a poster in somebody's room or office, and there's usually like butterflies or kind of a soaring eagle just enjoying a nice breeze or maybe some flowers or a nice river scene. And it's just like, be still, be still. Just take it easy. Know that I am God. That's kind of the image. But if you read verse 10 in context, this isn't some, this isn't quite just like, Tender advice to just, you know, take some me time amidst all the hustle and bustle of life. Just take a moment of quiet. No, verse 10, be still and know I am God. It's a forceful Hebrew imperative. God is calling on rebel armies, rebel chariots, rebel people with bows and swords and spears. He's calling on these rebels to put down your weapons and stop fighting against me. It's primarily a rebuke to the enemies of God. Don't continue to rage and rise up against me and my people. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. But secondly, it's also a call to God's people. It's a call to us who so often try to be God or seek out other gods to satisfy us and protect us and give us security. He, he's saying, stop seeking out refuge in other things. Stop acting like you are in control. Stop grumbling and complaining against the way I rule the world. Be still and know that I am God. But the question is not just, do you know he is God? The question is, is God your God? Is God your God? Have you submitted to him as your Lord? If he is, if he is your God, if you've trusted in him, then that means he is also your refuge. The, the God who rules over the world is constantly with his people to give them strength. In conclusion, we know this scene is not just a theoretical scenario. Disaster and calamity is, is a part of life in this world. And friends, things may get worse in this present crisis. We don't know. But whatever happens in the next few weeks or months, if you will trust in Jesus Christ, God is your refuge. And you can face whatever is going on around you without fear because he is with you. Now, our current crises may get better quickly. 
But whatever happens, the Bible tells us that a day is coming that every human being must be prepared for. Now, most of us will likely not die from this virus or as a result of murder or injustice. But all of us, unless Jesus returns, all of us will die. And all people, when, when we die, the Bible says, we face judgment. We will one day stand before the judgment seat of God. And on the last day, there will be only one refuge from the righteous and just judgment of God against all human sin and rebellion. And there will be only one shelter to fly to. And that's Jesus Christ. And on that day, on that day, to know that God is your refuge and your fortress, that you have run to Christ and put your faith in him as your Savior and your Lord, that he has that he has you in his hands, his gracious hands, how good it will be on that day. And the way to know God is our refuge on that day is to know him as our refuge on this day, to trust in and rely on Jesus Christ as your Savior and your only refuge in life and in death. Well, thank you for listening, and may God bless you and fill you with hope.